welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air, online, seven days a week at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You can pick us up as either a standard podcast. You'll, uh, you'll see that's the first link on the homepage, or as what we call a radio loop. And that is to say uh, a, um, a version of the show is running here on a separate computer in the, in the studio, and that computer puts out that version in a loop and you pick up that show at whatever point in the loop it may be by hitting the second link at www.centerlefttalkradio.com a lot of people like it that way we keep it that way and uh, why not it's the same show. I simply have to have it put up on that computer, and uh, uh, no, no, no big deal. No big deal. We, we're, we're giving you two choices. Most, uh, I don't think there is any other uh, podcast out there that does that. Not that that makes us better or worse, just more choosable, more, uh, more accessible uh, in the form that you would prefer. Uh, it is the 29th of July, uh, summer, as always, racing at full speed. Uh, this is about the point where it really starts to pick up, when you suddenly realize that you're inches away from August, and, um, and, and that's when September seems exceptionally close. And, and for us here in this area... Uh, it's a question of when will the school buses be back on the roads, confusing things in the morning and the afternoon, or certainly adding to the traffic. Well, well I wouldn't call call what we have here in, in our in our area of the Hudson Valley. Uh, uh, I wouldn't call it a rush hour. I wouldn't call it traffic jams. But uh, if you have to make it down to a, a train to catch the Metro North into the city, uh, and you're doing it uh, in the peak of the uh, school bus time, it, it could slow you down by about three or four minutes that much. But um, that's kind of the extent of it. It's, it's, it's a mental thing, knowing that uh, school and all of those things that uh, indicate the fall and all of those things that indicate change and, and all of those things that, that are the benchmarks of any given year, they continue uh, to move along. And uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing in a way to be able to, to know that that is uh, a continuing process. It's been an incredibly hot summer. Uh, at least it has in the last uh, two or three weeks of it, since, uh, after the 4th of July. Um, and it looks like it's going to stay hot for a while longer. But, uh, yeah, we'll make it through. Somehow we all will. Uh, we, we tend to. 
um, one would hope that we'll notice or people, more people will notice that we are having the effects of global warming. I, I, I have conversations with people. I don't know if the Republicans or Democrats, things like this just come up accidentally in, in conversations that you might have with someone anywhere. And I can't think of anyone that I've heard of late uh, that would even suggest that no, 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 it's just a normal climate cycle situation and it's not global warming. People have nothing to do with it, the implication being there's nothing that people can do to stop it. I don't hear that around here. I, I suppose, I mean, given the, the, given the defensiveness that the Republicans seem to have about this and the realization that to make it really, to really make an effective dent in all this, uh, you would have to do stuff and spend money on it. Uh, that would seem to be a position that they really want to hold on to. But I don't know of anyone, I don't know of people. No one seems to be committed to this notion of, well, it can't possibly have a human source, or there couldn't possibly be something that humans can do. There, there, there's, I, I, you know, correct, someone will correct me on this, but, but there seems to be this schizophrenic thing, as so many things in the Republican position, uh, political positions and views of the world seem to be, where on the one hand, you'll say, Republicans, I know, will say, sure, oh yeah, there, there's a climate change and it's being changed and, 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 and blah, 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 and we're not, you know, we, we can do something here, but, but on the other hand, uh, would not dare uh, break from party orthodoxy when it comes to saying that, well, there's nothing that we should or could do, certainly from a legislative perspective. It is a schizophrenic approach. And, and, as, and as you undoubtedly know, uh, if you... You know, the, the Republicans are, are trapped in a number of things like that. Uh, the whole Roe v. Wade situation uh, is winding up to be a real conundrum for them, uh, where their own, uh, their own base, uh, if 75% of the American people, I think it's between 70 and 75%, wanted Roe v. Wade to be kept as it was, well, that's got to include Republicans, a whole bunch of them. And we know that Republican women need abortions and get abortions like everybody else. And yet there are these draconian laws being put into place that are purely culture war driven sort of anger uh, measures that are, seem designed to just prove that we can do culture war better than anyone, and culture war is all we've got. There's no logic to why you would do a total ban on abortion. I mean, you want to make the argument that somebody's church or somebody's God uh, has decreed something, and you want to do that after 50 years of Roe v. Wade protections? Good luck. I mean, try it. It, it, it just makes no sense. And, and again, the Republicans seem to be counting on the very fact that this is an issue that we're throwing at the Democrats, even if it's an issue where we tend to agree, or many of us agree, with Democrats 
on. Uh, there, was a, there was a curious thing that happened uh, during the week. I saw one of the few times that I, I really would say Chuck Schumer did, a, did an intelligent political thing, even if a little bit uh, <laughs> giving Mitch McConnell a taste of his own medicine. Uh, there had been a vote uh, on, a, um, on a semiconductor uh, bill, as it were, that basically gave American companies or encouraged American companies to create semiconductors, in essence, to take the business away from China. Now, actually, the, the, the main business of semiconductor creation is largely in Taiwan. That's, that's a whole separate story. But, but Chinese mainland manufacturers are very big also at this point. And this bill was designed to basically capture that capture the manufacturing process, bring it largely to America. And it's obviously a security issue with everything that's happened, and there's been so much talk about uh, Chinese uh, uh, phone uh, phones that include Chinese chips that may have tracking devices. You've heard all that stuff over the years. Well, there is a major, major security, there's a major financial, there's a major everything issue that goes with manufacturing our own chips. Look at, look at what's the absolute where the lack of chips is done for the delivery capability of automobiles in America. And not just American automobiles, automobiles from all over the world. These chips haven't been available. Now, whether in the, if we could repeat COVID, obviously we don't want to, but if we had had a more robust chip manufacturing capability, there's an argument that says that we would not be experiencing the supply chain slowdown on so many things that rely on chips right now. So, so the vote in the Senate was clearly a, a rational, uh, clearly uh, in the best interest of the country vote. Now, right after that vote, a strange announcement came out concerning none other than Joe Manchin. And, and Manchin, who, uh, who and not mentioned by name when, when Biden said this, but when, when, when Joe Biden said uh, some time ago at the beginning of his term, he said, you know, when you have a 50-50 Senate, every senator is the president of the United States. And, and, and what he obviously meant, and he was correct about this, that you could have 49 senators agree on, on something. But if you need that 50th, and that's, that'll make the difference of taking a bill over the top, one senator can, can screw up the works. And Joe Manchin seems to be taking, I don't know if he's relishing his position, but certainly in keeping in line with his Republican donors, and he has mostly Republican donors, or the big donors, I gather, I gather are largely in, in West Virginia, are Republicans, uh, he, you know, his, his party affiliation notwithstanding. Um, he has been loath uh, to accept much of the Biden agenda uh, when it came to uh, rebuilding the economy. But all of a sudden, a, an, an unexpected announcement during the week that, uh, that, that, that Manchin suddenly is on board with three different major areas of development or three different major areas of the Biden uh, Build Back America Better package that he had apparently uh, pushed aside before. 
Uh, one involving climate change, one involving, one area involving, um, I, I forget what the exact areas were. Forgive me, I would have to, I'd have to look at this. But, but uh, it, it, major, major areas, many, many billions of dollars of, 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 uh, of, of spending involved to get these things done. And that, most importantly, uh, Manchin was on board with doing this via reconciliation. Uh, in other words, they would basically do this on a 50-50 vote. They would declare that it would be a vote, a 50-50 vote. It would be 51 votes, and it would work that way if you had Kamala Harris then voting as president of the Senate. And that's how the uh, Democrats would push this through. Well, <laughs> um, when Mitch McConnell heard about this, it was like, well, we should, have, we should have never, ever voted for that chip bill. How dare you go into reconciliation to pass portions of President Biden's bill that we would be prepared to block under any other circumstances? And, and McConnell felt that he had been, that somehow Republicans had been betrayed by this, this move. How dare you go into reconciliation? Ha! <laughs> and the threat suddenly came. We're going to, we're going to uh, what? We're, oh, we're going to change our vote on the, um, on, on, on the computer chips. We're, we're going to go back and we're going to revisit it and we're going to withdraw our vote. And we're, but McConnell obviously um, didn't realize that you can't do that without... Uh, basically sticking it to American industry and having it being tagged with the notion that you're pro-Chinese. So they, they voted down something else. They, they, there had been full Republican, or at least 25 Republican senators had been for some kind of extension of veterans' benefits recently. Uh, it, it involved veterans who had been exposed to toxic uh, uh, substances or something along those lines. And what happens? Suddenly, those 25 Republicans, virtually the same bill comes up for a final vote. It had been a, a test vote initially. And those 25 Republicans suddenly turn around and they vote it down. Mitch had to do something. So he basically went ahead and he screwed veterans. And in, in doing so, doing the same thing that Donald and any Republican seems to be willing to do. Just create differentiation without any particular notion or care about whether what you're doing affects even your own, your own constituencies. I mean, this is really what I see going on here. It's, it's, it's at a point where as long as we're doing something that sticks it, as long as we're doing something different from the Democrats or proclaiming that the Democrats are bad and changing something they've done, that's all that matters to our voters. You're with us. You're so with us, oh crazy base that all you need is to know that the Democrats are for it and we're against it, and that will be sufficient motivation, and you won't notice that you're, that you're basically cutting off your own nose to spite your face if you go along with our position. It's a crazy place to be. But it's exactly where you would expect Donald, a Donald-led party, to go, because it's... It's taking the least 
the, the shortest path to your, to your largest goal. In, in the case of Donald, it's money and power, always. And in the case of the Republicans, I imagine you have to, you have to say the same. If, if you can convince yourself that simply being at odds with your political opponents is a sufficient basis for any action you take, then it simplifies, tremendously simplifies, whatever it is that you feel you have to do in order to maintain your power. You can do the most absurd things in the world and still, and still somehow justify them and somehow feel, and the, and the numbers still seem to suggest, in terms of polling for Trump anyway, that, that these self-defeating or what would otherwise be illogical or, or oxymoronic or, 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 or contradictory positions are not basically d disintegrating or not basically uh, creating a, the, a perceived uh, or a sufficiently large crumbling of the base. Now, is that the way you want to go into the 2022 midterm cycle, and much more than that, is that the way you want to approach the 2024 cycle? Do you want to make the assumption, if you're the Republican Party, if you're local, if you're, if you're at a congressional level, a senatorial level, if you're talking gubernatorial candidates, whatever you're talking, do you want to have the mindset that as long as we do something that is literally, literally undemocratic, that's all we need to do in order to basically uh, position ourselves. And that you'll come and join, you'll, as long as we are differentiated from our democratic, uh, the democratic alternative, whether or not the, the position of the democratic alternative is one that you would otherwise agree with simply because, you know, you basically want to have a, a decent life and want to have some choices and want to have things that are working for you in your life in America. But all you have to know is that what we're doing is different from the Democrats, and that's it. That's all you need to know, and you'll come on board with our position. Does, does that make sense, going into an election cycle, either the midterms or the, uh, the next presidential cycle? Well, obviously, the answer to that is, a, is, a, is a logically, it's a rousing no. But, but that's not how the Republicans are approaching this. And I, 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 would tend, I would have to tend to believe that there have to be people within the Republican Party who recognize that that's an incredibly dangerous game to be playing, that all you have to do is basically be on the other side of whatever the Democrats are saying and it's presumed that the other side is something that, that you would want, that Republicans would want, and can run against Democrats on. You want black, I want white. You want red, I want blue. I, I, whatever the case may be, just, just make it different. And, and, and whatever comes out will be what Republican voters will go for. Now... I think there is at least one indication that I've seen of late 
that would give me the sense that that might not be uh, how uh, the, uh, the smart people, and there are some in the Republican Party, view the best way of approaching uh, the next two, this this one, this election cycle that we're we're in at this point, and the one coming up in 2024. There are, there are some indications, and and you must keep in mind at all times that the the poster child for all of this contradictory BS is always Donald himself. Anything, anything that he can throw out there, any, any culture thingy, any, any, uh, any, any uh, question about anything that would potentially challenge a democratic position or even a commonly held position, that's fine by him if it, if it creates, in his mind, a pathway to his major goals, money and power, personal all the time. Um, a good example of that was uh, the other day that the, his Bedminster, New Jersey golf course uh, is a sponsor of the new Saudi golf league, the LIV league. They apparently handed him a check for $4 million in order to use his course. Well, Donald doesn't turn down money. If you give him money, you're his friend and it doesn't matter who's giving it to him. And there were protests made by 9-11 families the families of people who died in 9-11, saying that, you know, to have the Saudis in here making money on a golf uh, uh, event 50 miles from ground zero is the most insensitive, thoughtless thing that a human being could possibly do. How dare you uh, twice impeach, totally disgraced, utterly disgusting, uh, former human Donald Trump even imagine doing this. And of course, it's easy for Donald to imagine because the Saudis gave him a big parade when he was president. It's the first place he went when he was president outside the country. They had his picture uh, literally uh, projected on, a, on, a, on the wall of a building as he was driving into town because they realized there was something to be gained with him. And there's a lot of money going back and forth between his family and his holdings and the Saudis. Not as much as the Russians. His son has said that already. Uh, but but that's, that's the game that works with Donald. What does Donald respond when he's challenged by, well, you know, um, uh, they still haven't gotten to the bottom of who was involved with 9-11. And, 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 and they really should have. And, and, it's, and just in pure, pure, disgusting, smarmy, uh, you just want to take a shower instantly, Trumpian style, the way he said it. And it was basically nothing but an effort to set up a difference between uh, Republican and Democratic thought. He, Trump, assuming that whatever he says becomes Republican thought, not, not recognizing that, hey, you know, I was president for four years. Uh, if there was anything that needed to be discovered and checked out that hadn't been checked out already, maybe I would have been the best, in the, 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 the best person on the planet, in the best position on the whole planet to figure out what was going on. But no, doesn't care about that. Doesn't care that his people uh, should be able to figure that out. Has no respect for that whatsoever. Basically just throws 
about another conspiracy theory. Forgets the fact that a 9-11 commission basically went through all this already, that, that, that the vast majority of the, of the people who, who blew up the planes on 9-11 were Saudi nationals, and all the other facts that have been produced over the years. And yes, there have always been conspiracy theories about, well, as the building fell, uh, uh, if you look carefully on the tape, if you look at this particular tape, you could see what looked like explosions taking place going down the entire uh, length of the building uh, as... Bond, that as as the girders were blown out, one you know successively down the entire building, a, a pretty far-fetched uh, storyline. Obviously, as a building collapses and girders blow out, uh, there will be pressure points and things will blow, and you'll see where things are blowing out. And dynamite explosions would look a little more powerful than the things that you know you know on and on and on and on and on. But Trump decides he's going to just go with the old saw and assumes that Republicans or, or a more and more compressed base of Republicans will ignore any facts, any knowledge, any, anything objective that might have found its way into their minds and simply say, Donald got him again and that's enough for me. Is it enough for the Republican party for for the for the well let's say the money sources within the Republican party is is Donald's setting up an us them proposition no matter how ridiculous and how non self-serving it may be to the people in the party but self-serving to him what the hell i got money from the saudis i want to do their golf thing i don't give a damn about anything else why would I, why should i i'll just give them another conspiracy theory ho hum and my money goes into my pocket. But is that enough for the money sources in the Republican Party? Well, it winds up that the RNC has been paying Donald's legal bills. And, 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 and this is something you don't hear a lot about. Um, there have been a number of legal expenses that he has incurred with all of the investigations that have been going on of the Trump organization uh, in the course of the last two years, I guess, at this point. Uh, and that number is up around the million point right now. That's a lot of money, I mean, for anybody. And for Donald to spend a million dollars of his own money, that's, that if, he, if there's someone else who, it's always other people's money for Donald. That's the whole idea about selling your name. You don't have to build anything. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to put anything up front. If I could sell my name for 10% of whatever the value of the place is on a given year, that's, that's, that's great for me. Uh, until people don't want to use your name anymore. And that seems to be the case, except where Donald uses his own in his golf courses and stuff like that. And his properties are bleeding money, by the way. This has been brought out in any number of reports. The things, there were inferences of this raised when his tax documents were procured by various state and federal sources that needed to review them for a lot of things that is going on in his business. Um, and they're just, and with public filings also. His courses, his golf courses, his, his resorts, bleeding money. 
So getting in four million from the Saudis to have a golf tournament where I gather, I, I, I heard somewhere that the number normally be somewhere around two million. Hey, that's a great sort of thing. And getting money directly from the RNC for his legal bills. That's, that's a big deal for him. There, there's more of a pinch on this guy than I think anyone really, or he certainly wouldn't want anyone to understand, that he's just, he's basically a sieve at this stage, as far as his businesses go. Who wants to buy the Trump name? Who wants to put the Trump name on their building? I don't care what your political affiliation is at this point. Who wants to have Donald's name? I'm building a new building. I'm building it in Moscow. I'm building I want Donald's name on my building. Who? Do the Russians? Does anyone in Russia want that? Do the Saudis want the Trump, a, Trump, a new Trump Tower downtown in Riyadh or something at this point? Does anyone really, really want this guy's name on a building and is willing to pay a whole bunch of money for it? I... I, I, I I, I'll be shocked if I hear that there's some deal in, in, in the offing right now. I've heard nothing. The opposite, it seems to be the case. There been, his name has been pulled off God knows how many places. Uh, you start with the city of New York and all the different, he, the, 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 uh, running the old Wallman's rink, Trump rink, that's gone. Trump links, his name is gone. All those Trump buildings, they forced his name off the buildings in Manhattan. Uh, you, you know, the fact that Trump Tower still has the name on it uh, is simply because I gather his organization still owns it, although they may have, who knows, it might be mortgaged. I, I have no idea. Alan Weisselberg knows that. And he's coming up, by the way, he's, uh, his, his trial is coming up later this year. He was indicted, if you'll recall, on some small thing. But Weisselberg, Trump's money man, uh, that's another story you don't hear about over here. That, that, that's that's going to be a curious situation. <clears throat> Trump <clears throat> basically has been told by the RNC that if you officially, officially declare your candidacy for the presidency, and, and he's been giving every indication and every hint on earth that he's about to do it, it's going to happen any, any day now, it's going to be coming, I'm, I'm thinking more and more, blah, 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 blah. Donald says the RNC, we're paying your legal bills, and we're up around the million-dollar mark. And if you officially declare for the presidency in 2024, we will cut you off instantly. Why, why would they do that? I mean, I mean, it's Donald. Donald gets everything, right? Whatever Donald wants, Donald, whatever Donald wants, Donald gets. Well, they're, according to the RNC, they have a policy. Believe it or not, there are policies still extant within uh, the Republican Party. They, so they claim this was is one anyway. And the policy is that in, in the interest of equanimity, in the interest of showing no partiality to any candidate, <coughs> excuse me, once someone has declared their candidacy for presidency, well, receiving money from the RNC would be a sign, a very clear sign, of preferential treatment for that individual. Now, granted, Donald still is the odds-on favorite. If if the if the prime if the if the primary if there were a primary, and there, there, we're not sure how this is going to work out yet. This is still you know there there was a vote taken some time ago 
by various states that there would be no primaries uh, in the Republican Party for 2024, that Donald would simply get the vote. Or was that in 2020? I'm, I have to remember how this worked out. But I think it was supposed to, yeah, it was 2020. There'd be no primaries. And they literally outlawed the primaries. Now, I don't know where, how that stands for 2024. If they legally, according to the internal rules of the Republican Party, can't hold primaries. But it would make no sense to me that that would be the case because it seems as though people like Mike Pence and, uh, and Ron DeSantis uh, seem to be of the opinion that they have a very good chance of uh, basically taking the nomination. And if you talk to the average Republican, at least around here in the lower Hudson Valley, there seems to be almost a given for, I don't know what their sources are, I'm not sure, you know, is this word of mouth, is this just uh, wishful thinking, is it shared, uh, is it shared rationality? I, I don't know what to call it. Is, it. is it rationality creeping through? But there seems to be a recognition that if this guy runs in 2024, he's gonna lose. And if he loses, yes, of course, what are they going to do? There's going to be a worse yelling and screaming about a fix, a steal, everything else. That'll happen up and down the ballot to anyone who loses. Any Republican who loses any seat will probably, well, maybe not everyone, but the likelihood of more Republicans jumping in and just completely bringing the mechanisms of government to a grinding halt and counting on Republican voters to go, yeah, 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 we couldn't have possibly lost. It's every time we lose, it's a fix. That becomes a likelihood. And in Donald's case, a certainty. The guy is still talking about, and has never stopped talking about, and was talking about a probable or possible loss in 2020 well before the election itself. And he hasn't shut up since. He's been telling the same lie. Do you imagine for a second that he won't be telling that lie on the campaign trail? He tells it every time he gets before a microphone now. And that becomes, and if he declares any time soon, that becomes both the 2020 storyline and the 2024 storyline for Republicans. Can the Republican Party work with that kind of thing. Is Donald's popularity sufficient? Is, is, is he that much of a kingmaker? Are his coattails that overwhelmingly powerful that even out there telling the lie over and over, the lie doesn't matter. It's the, the differentiation between him and reality the, the, the fantasy of Donald, the appeal of that is so overwhelming that Republicans are going to go with him even if it is literally and technically and, and factually against their own interest on certain particular issues and the notion even of the government of the country functioning 
as a country, the removal of the sanctity or the meaningfulness generally of elections, which is a probability, if not a certainty, if Donald runs again in 2024, because he's going to lose, he will not win the popular vote. I don't care who the Democrats have up there. It's not going to happen with Donald. Biden, they, they, they'll roll him to, to campaign stops if they have to. Come on, y y Republicans, you got to know this. So my thought is this. The, the single biggest motivation for Donald is his, he, he associates his pocket with his ego, with his success, with his power. Money is power to him. He, he is compensating in ways that are, that are irrational, even by his standards, for what is not spoken publicly or can't be spoken publicly by him, that he's in financial straits, but the thing is, for Donald, all that is is another opportunity to create another persona, to do more lying and keep it going. So can he admit the fact that he is, he is more, he's going to be driven by whatever mechanisms can keep money in his pocket? Because if God forbid he found himself in a position where he'd have to start selling off properties between now and 2024, if he had to sell Bedminster or, or sell that place in Scotland, or if Mar-a-Lago suddenly uh, became, uh, you know, uh, untouchable or un, 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 unpayable, that would, be, that would be the worst thing that he could possibly suffer. So getting money in the front door in Bedminster and getting people to pay his bills, I'm guessing, would be just about the strongest motivation Donald can have. I mean, it, it, again, it, it's, it sounds nuts to realize that we're talking about, we're, we're, we're analyzing the, the illness, the, the, the utter foibles, the, the, the complete irresponsibility, the, the utter incapacity for office of someone who has been, amazingly, president of the United States for four years and actually would consider running again, and for whom a certain number of people will automatically vote. It sounds insane that we could discuss that person in the base terms that we're discussing them right now, but that's where we are. Well, the Republican Party seems to know the RNC seems to know what a disaster another Trump run would be and what a disaster it would be when Trump lost and what this would do to the what this would do to the RNC what this would do to to what whatever was left of the Republican brand and so they're using that they're using a financial lever to basically keep Donald out of the race to stop him from declaring, understanding that once he declares, the other candidates, the, poten the two big potential ones out there, Pence and DeSantis, will be severely prejudiced in anything that they might want to do. Donald will begin sucking up all the oxygen. But in the process, he may poison the midterms if he did this soon enough by basically making himself and his lies 
the center of attention by removing uh, issues of the inflation, removing issues of potential recession, removing any other negative issues that the Biden administration might find itself uh, confronting, and those issues also obviously going down ballot into state elections on the congressional level, on the senatorial level. Uh, Donald becomes the storyline. And when Donald's the storyline, all bets are off the table because now you have the great lie. Now every Republican candidate can be challenged to tell how do you, or, or do you buy the big lie? Well, it's not a lie. Oh, it's not. Oh, well, but boom, 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 and on. You see where that could go. And Republicans have to know that the RNC does also. So they're holding this financial sort of Damocles, as it were, over his head, Donald's head, still realizing that he still is the, uh, the apparent uh, leader, if that's the word that even means anything, of the Republican Party, if that means anything. My guess, uh, knowing, not knowing, but just simply observing Donald, uh, there's no way that he can not want the power of the presidency. And if someone else is president, he would like to imagine that he's going to control that person through his control of, of the base. That, that would be... It, it, that would be the Donald not running uh, scenario, as, as I see it. And I think that's a reasonable one. But if it's, if it's Mike Pence, I don't think that Mike Pence is someone that Donald is going to be able to control. You see, he, he basically was trying to get, apparently, or at least he, t he, had a, he had a criminal disregard for whether or not Mike Pence lived or died on January 6th. And this is not someone who I think Mike wants to basically uh, toss in his uh, potential presidency and, and have him in the, in the wings constantly running the show. Donald would, Donald would want to be, in essence, sort of what uh, Vice President Cheney was in the first Bush administration, the first uh, Bush 43 administration, uh, the, uh, the essentially the president, but doing it quietly. Donald would never do it quietly. Donald would be out there saying, I feel, I think that you have to do this, this, this our, the party, blah, 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 blah. And I strongly urge Mike Pence, even if you didn't do what I told you to do back in, on January 6th, but the, Mike, you can make up for it now by doing, and, and whatever the hell it is, that'll serve Donald's interest. I don't see that working. I don't see Mike Pence allowing that to happen. And frankly, Ron DeSantis is way too smart, much, much smarter than Donald is or ever was, to put himself in a position where he would allow Donald to openly be uh, the, the controlling hand on his presidency. So I, I, I just don't see, I don't see a Republican run that basically uh, allows either Pence or DeSantis, who are the two obvious people at this point, challenging Trump, uh, both of them doing it in increments, on both understanding you have to play the game, it's, it's all a game here, but neither of them allowing Trump the power that he would otherwise want to have in the background. And Trump 
having this nose for power and strength and knowing enemies and knowing and no, and being able to read the people that are basically going to get him or go after him or challenge him. He would know and must know already that neither Pence nor DeSantis would be willing to bow to him, to his control, were he to stay out of the presidential run. And if either of them ran and won and actually were able to do it legally uh, and, and actually take the presidency, I, I think that's a huge iffy situation at this point because they're both saddled with Donald all the way down the line. Pence more than DeSantis, and DeSantis, with the irrational things he's doing, is pure Trump tactic in, in Florida. Anything irrational, it doesn't matter that it hurts the people, it's just a differentiation thing. So the anti-transgender, uh, anti anti-abortion, whatever, whatever, whatever the hell he comes up with. They're using Trump tactics. Pence was Trump's... Enforcer. He was basically uh, drumming up support for everything Trump. He was the biggest, uh, uh, the biggest uh, uh, supporter of everything that Trump came up, every little scheme that Trump came up. But Mike Pence was there. And he's going to run against Trump? Well, I don't see Trump accepting the notion that he could control things and have the greatest power in the world from outside of the Oval Office. So I see this very strange situation unfolding, that Donald both needs money and needs power, and that he'll take the money while he can, but when it comes to the point of having to run for the presidency or run the risk of not being able to possibly get the get the nomination, or, or if waiting too long to throw his hat into the ring to the point where the, nomination, the nominating process now gets out of hand for him, I see a situation where there'll be nothing until after the election in November, and immediately, immediately after the election in November, Donald will declare for the presidency in 2024. May have to give up a few bucks at that point, but he will declare for the presidency then, knowing full well that if he waits much longer, there could be a, a groundswell or there could, be, there could be a tsunami building that would carry either Pence or DeSantis over the line because that's the talk within Republican circles right now. What do you think? Do you, do, you, do you buy into that scenario? Again, I'll repeat it. Donald, does, Donald keeps hinting. He, he keeps playing with it. He keeps, he keeps suggesting that he's thinking of going for the presidency, but does not declare. He keeps whatever sources of money are coming from the RNC to pay his legal bills free and, free and flowing. But after the midterm elections, almost immediately thereafter, he declares that he's going to be running for the presidency. He declares himself to be a candidate, knowing full well that if he waits much longer, he basically is going to run head-on into uh, the, uh, the campaigns, the pending campaigns of DeSantis and Pence. And he wants to cut that off. So he's taking as much of the money as he can and then taking as much of the power as he can. All that equates to 
having Donald lose the election in 2024, and we're going to go through hell as a nation because he will, of course, swear, claim, that's two elections they've taken from me. You can't let them do that to me. That's what he'll say and do. <sighs> Lovely. But it seems like the way things are going. Maybe we simply, we simply have to play this out. We simply, this is why they play the games. We are in the middle of this, and the only way out of it is to take it to its unfortunate, illogical, insane, extreme end and let the Republican Party finally get it out of their system or get it into their brains that this is the most losing strategy, this strategy of denying elections, this strategy of, 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 of clinging to a person because we have nothing else but nothing else but a loud, boisterous idiot who basically can control a substantial part of our base, that becomes the essence of what we are. And it doesn't matter what we believe in or what we do or how we contradict our own positions or how we don't listen to what our people need. It doesn't matter. That's who the Republican Party is. Maybe that's the only way out of it, and it's a dangerous way to get out of it. But we might be going there no matter what. That's what I seem to see. And, well, let me know what you think. It would be interesting. What's also going to be interesting, of course, is that David Bach is, is going to be with us in a few minutes. It is Friday, and uh, he'll be uh, lending his thoughts, undoubtedly, to some of the topics we've covered over here, and a plenty more of his own from his own, and I will call this, investigative reporting. That's exactly what David does on a political level. He's, he's, uh, he's getting up there with the best. So hang in there. He'll be here in just a moment. Digest what we've had a discussion about so far. And, and the, you know, you, how do we digest things? You know, we always do it with a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com enough small talk david what's on your mind uh well there's a lot but if you want to hear more you can follow me on twitch.tv slash fresh faces no ideas and you can follow me on twitter at faces ideas okay uh so there's a there's been a flurry of activity but there's a couple things that um need to be brought up before this uh one is uh monkeypox yeah. So they have said that monkeypox is now a global health emergency. There's a couple things to talk about with this. One, real nice job that we have this again because this was something we actually could have contained instead of it being this bad. And it's not even that bad yet. Two, yeah. it's this idea of it being a uh, a gay disease. It's not. So Similar to how when COVID started, we weren't entirely sure how it spread. That right. is kind of how it works with, with uh, monkeypox. It does have the ability to spread sexually, but it's mostly through close contact with a person who has it. And the reason it is important to make this distinction is because the people who are going to use it to attack the LGBTQ people are already going to do it, especially the fact that in California, there's at least, I think, both or one of the two kids who have it is there, in which case they're going to start targeting these people and say this is a gay disease and these people are um, 
you know, abuse, sexually abusing children. Ah, that 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 would be that would be keeping in line with a standard uh, Republican process. Yeah, that that's good. That's, that's that's a nice culture issue. Yeah, go go with that. Um, yeah, no, that, that why, why why am I not even a little bit surprised at that? And also, the other thing is, it's not like we aren't already ahead of this. Like, we have vaccines; they're they're handing them out to the populations, which are more likely to be LGBTQ plus. Yep. Um, to have this and it's just a thing that like we're going to have to start dealing with more viruses it's, yeah. it's just a just a thing that we're going to have to do the, the, gro- the gross numbers are, are small the, the gross numbers of people the known infections are small but of course the issue is uh, dealing with potential spread that's the whole point of this right and then the other thing I want to, I want to talk about the forward pro- uh, party very briefly now, look. Wait, repeat, say that. I'm sorry, David. I, we lost that for a second. Say that again. You want to? I want to talk about the forward party very briefly before uh, we get into all the other stuff. Yeah. In theory, the forward party is a decent idea. It would be nice to have an actual third party. The problem is, this is literally the dumbest party. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, when Andrew Gang launched this this party, I remember covering the thing that he started with. And I looked at this and I went, oh, this is how a baby looks at politics. Um, because that's what it is. It's a baby's version of what a party should be. Okay, oh, what does that mean? It's, um, oh, we're not going to offer solutions. You know, we're just going to say everyone is not going to get what they want. We're going to be the moderate centrist group. We're going to be, you know, both sides together. They have no, literally no solutions. There were zero solutions in this. The, the piece that they, they were talking about where it was uh, Yang and uh, David Jolly and then the former Republican who uh, ran New Jersey, like they literally don't have solutions well, now. Uh, well, that, but, but so far it sounds like that they're, that they're no worse than the current Republican Party except that they're not, they don't sound as harmful. Now, that was what I was going to get to. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Technically speaking, if we replace them person for person with the current Republican Party, they yeah. would have essentially the same amount of policy ideas. <laughs> because to be fair, Republicans do have policy ideas. It's Rick Scott's PowerPoint. It's insane. It would destroy Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security within five years. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Among a whole host of uh, it would raise taxes on 40% of Americans. Essentially, if you were on Social Security, your taxes would be raised. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, they don't think that you pay enough money. Uh, <laughs> the, the only upside to if they replaced the Republican Party is it would be less of a threat to the planet and democracy. <laughs> but on, on the real, this is not a serious party. In all likelihood, it's going to make money similar to the way that um, – uh, the Lincoln Project made money. Yeah, yeah. And then they're not going to do anything. So they basically, you see them becoming like a like a think tank or something. Basically, is what they come down to, or, or are, are, are they at least that quality? Maybe, um, but it, it, at the very least, they're going to like peel off some dis- disincentivized voters. I don't know how much more of an impact they'll have than maybe the Green or the Libertarian parties, but. I, they're not going to be – first of all, you can't be serious if you have no policies. Second, I'm not entirely sure how much of their infrastructure is set up. And this is not just a problem for them. Um, this is a problem for other parties. I don't know if you've heard of this. There's, there's a group called the People's Party. The People's, People's Party. Party. Yeah. 
launched in about 2020 okay. or 2018. Uh, the People's Party has essentially advocated for a single thing, and they are the, the force of the vote people. Their argument was, back when Nancy Pelosi uh, was becoming speaker, that progressives should stall the vote until Nancy Pelosi put a vote for Medicare for All on the floor so that they would know to who to primary. Now, obviously, that's a terrible plan because if you put Medicare for All and it lost by 300 votes, you would essentially set back Medicare for All for decades. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Now, this is essentially the thing that they've hung their hat on. Now, since then, because we are well aware of which candidates have openly said who's who, uh, which ones are not going to support um, Medicare uh, for pre- all. Yeah. yeah, you know how many you know how many primary candidates the People's Party has put up? How many? Zero. <laughs> they, they literally have not put up a single candidate in essentially two years. Not not gotten. Not we're not talking about winning a seat. We're talking about getting somebody on a ballot. So that so that you, so that even if I wanted to vote for someone in the People's Party, I can't. There's no one to vote for. Yes. Okay. But let me let me pose that same thought as far as Andy Yang's party over here. Uh, is this party actually going to be on any ballots in 2022? So far as you can see. I haven't looked into it. I'm yeah, going to yeah. say probably. I'm going to say probably not because it appears that they've start, only started getting their stuff yeah, together they're, they're, now. Yeah, they're they're awfully late for 2022. That's 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 what I was just thinking. So that as far as as peeling off anything like a substantial number of of otherwise Democratic candidate votes in 2022, that wouldn't seem to be a risk. And if they're as bad as you perceive them to be, and you've got a damn good nose for this stuff. Um, I'm guessing they may just sort of uh, find themselves out in the hinterlands a lot quicker than even you're suggesting they will be. Well, I think for this, it is possible that they have a similar impact um, to a super PAC. Yeah. I think that is a, a relatively good possibility. Um, but they, but, but, not, but not stripping away votes from other Democratic candidates, at least not anywhere in the – not in this current cycle, not in the 2022 cycle. I, I don't know. I guess it really depends on how they're, they're going to frame their marketing. Yeah. It, because from what I've seen, it's like, oh, they, they kind of believe in horseshoe theory, yeah. which is uh, in nonsense. Um, because if you look at the extremes of our party, it's Marjorie Taylor Greene on one side, and then it's like AOC on the other. Yeah. And if you're going to compare their policies... I'm pretty sure most people aren't going to complain about having a wouldn't say, oh, they're the same, just on opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene like came out last week and said we should be Christian nationalists. <laughs> Good for you, Marjorie. <laughs> um, but let's get to the meat of it. There's been a flurry of policy activity. Some of it good, some of it bad, some of it insane. So uh, let's talk about. The first bill that passed was this CHIPS bill. Yeah. So yeah. CHIPS has been in in um, in conversation for about a year. I remember covering this a while ago. CHIPS is basically uh, in a, a blank check to semiconductor uh, companies in America to help boost our ability to produce semiconductors um, to challenge China. So in case that something happens in Taiwan, which is like the number – the world's number one producer of semiconductors – right. yeah. 
um, we're not screwed in the same way that things happened with Russia. Um, now, there the was- problem with this bill, and this is a problem because there's two things you have to recognize. One, this bill is both necessary, and two, it is a massive giveaway to corporations. This check doesn't require anything from these corporations. They don't have to. Um, they don't have to not do stock buybacks. They don't have to uh, ship the jobs overseas. They don't have to um, uh, pay workers uh, minimum, like decent wages. It is there is no strings attached. Well, that, that would bond. that would sound like a Republican way of writing a bill like that. The Democrats are far more sensitive to all of those negatives, especially the stock buybacks and all the crap that we've seen with companies while the while the market was was going wild there for you know un, until recently. So why wouldn't that be there in a bill that is primarily uh, it was democratically sponsored? Well, it was jointly sponsored, as I understand. Well, because yeah, it still helps their donors. Like, that's the point. It still helps. It's like when we talk about the two parties as as horrible and evil and ghoulish as the Republican Party is. And they are. They are. They are. They are literally cartoonishly evil. Um, the at least the, the head of the Democratic Party are still corporatists. They're still they're not progressive. They 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 will still back big business. They will still, um, they will still, you know, that's who they're, they're still backing. This is, this, David, this is the argument I get sometimes from some of my professorial friends, my, 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 my teacher friends, my, my PhDs that, oh, in the end, the Republicans and the Democrats are all the same. It's always been this way when you really, really scratch below the surface and get past some of the, some of the, uh, the, the just the, the, the war paint and everything else, you get down to this shared capitalism that basically forces them all to operate in the same way and sleep in the same bed. This would seem to be the perfect example of that. It might be, except... This coincided, the passing of the CHIPS Act, which was done with about, I think it was 17 Republicans, so it didn't need 25, to be uh, No, 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 that's right, 17, 17, I'm sorry. 25 was uh, a different bill, yeah, yeah. Um, as this happened, Chuck Schumer, maybe in the most brilliant thing that he has done as Senate leader. <laughs> I know what you're going to say, and I agree with you. Go ahead, go ahead. Joe Manchin announced that they have brought back Build Back Better as Build Back Baby. <laughs> or the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. So now, apparently, we do have a deal on a reconciliation bill. Now, to be fair, Kirsten Cinema can scuttle it still. She could. And, and they're still putting, and it's not even just her. This can still get scuttled in the House by the Josh Gottheimers, uh, the Stephanie Murphys, the, the SALT crew. These right. are the ones who essentially separated um, infrastructure for Build Back Better originally. Um. Now, this bill has some good things in it. It uh, it closes the carried interest loophole to some extent. Um, it has about four hundred billion dollars for climate, which is a little less than the um, than the original the, the last version of Build Back Better has. Uh, it is expanding uh, Medicare for I believe it is dental. It it looks like it's going to do uh, yes, price it has dental for yeah, yeah. Medicare as well. I think it's going to cap it at two thousand dollars a month for seniors. 
Um, they are apparently looking at putting in um, insulin caps as well. Yeah. On this bill. There's some uh, amazing stuff in there. Some amazing stuff. Yeah, there's stuff. a lot of good stuff in this. Yeah. Now, unfortunately for this, I want to point something out. This idea that Joe Manchin suddenly came around to this. Unless they were playing some version of 3D chess where they agreed like months ago that Manchin was going to publicly tank his own bill. And I want to I want to emphasize this. The bill that Joe Manchin tanked about a year ago today was his bill. That's right. He wrote the the original version that passed the Senate and passed and then got some changes in it to make it a little bit more better with like the prescription drug stuff. And that he said is dead was Joe Manchin's bill. Yeah. You've he dis- was the one who okayed everything in it. You've, you, and you've discussed his rationale for tanking it also. I think that'd be helpful to mention that now. And I also want to mention something else. The people who are using this line, there's this line about how much it costs. So this one's going to ultimately, so Build Back Better originally was three and a half trillion over 10 years, which is, comes out to about $350 billion a year, which sounds like a lot, but it's a third of the military budget. Um, that number was a 10 year. This looks like it's about $700 billion. Yeah. Now people are going, oh, and because this is, it's called the, the Stop Inflation Act. Um, there, we, you'll, you'll hear conservatives argue, oh, the, in order to stop inflation, the government is going to spend $700 billion extra, which is a weird thing to, to, to get mad about, seeing that they just passed an $870 billion military budget, yeah, which yeah, was about, yeah, yeah, I yeah. believe, $30 billion more than he asked for, which was about $50 billion more than the last one. And I think the first military budget that Joe Biden passed was about this size. It's always weird that when it, there's something that is possibly going to help the American people, it is going to because for how do we spend this money? Yeah. Because even in this bill, it has, you know, incentives for doing for drilling and stuff. It's not like it's a um, uh, the the Green New Deal. It still has problems. Now, here is the thing that differentiates the Republican Party from the Democratic Party. I mean, if you look at it only in that that kind of ridiculous, superficial, oh, they're both, you know, they're both uh, corporate parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah to some yeah. degree, the, the, the leadership of both parties are corporatist. But the Democratic Party will actually put forward legislation that will help. How do we know this? Because as soon as they, they made this announcement, the Republicans responded because they feel like they had been tricked. And yeah. their response was to tank a bill to, to, to help uh, veterans who have been hurt by burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was their response. Their response, and then furthermore, and I'm pretty sure we could finally put this, the idea that Susan Collins is a moderate's bed. Um, she responded with, yeah, the gay marriage bill is probably dead because of what? Because of the reconciliation bill. So, for anyone who's confused about the difference between the two parties, in response to a bill 
that begins to tackle the climate crisis, that has the ability to uh, lower infrastructure costs, to lower the deficit, um, or to lower our in, uh, medical costs, and whatever else may begin this bill, because it's still not entirely to help close some, uh, to put $80 billion into the IRS, which I'll get to in a second. The Republicans responded by saying veterans have to continue to suffer and gay people should still be in fear of their marriage for when the uh, whenever whatever Texas uh, lawsuit or whatever Missouri well, or Florida lawsuit gets to the Supreme Court, and they say they overturn um, Oglesville. I, ha- I have a I have a not not a different thought on that, but just expanding on that thought. The Republicans are working basically from an amoral position. Nothing really matters except winning and holding on to power. And they're used to Chuck Schumer being a total schmuck when it comes to basically uh, being able to wield the, 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 uh, the levers of power that should be in the hands of the, dem- of the, uh, of the controlling power in the Senate. And here he finally, finally is able to pull off a, a brilliant move that also will give the American people something that the Democrats can point to at the midterm election as, hey, look at what the hell we're giving you, blah, blah, blah. And so the Republicans, because it's only a numbers game, it's zero sum, had to do something to fight back. They had to be, they have to show, no, we're on the other side. If they go ahead and they scuttle the chips bill or re-vote it, I I don't know how they would do this, but there was talk of that. Then they go ahead and they say, basically, they're they're chargeable with, well, you want to help China have uh, exclusivity with their chips, which they already have. So they can't do that. So we've got to reach for the nearest goddamn thing on the shelf, and it happens to be uh, something that the... That, that, that is helping veterans. John Stewart is down there in Washington uh, running protests over this entire thing right now. It was the stupidest thing the Republicans could have done, but they have to do something stupid. That's, that's their stock and trade. That's how, they, that's how they roll. I was amazed that they even when it, that they did that thing with the uh, pulling back the, uh, the bill. It was, it was 25 senators had voted for that bill. And they all, well, had voted for it at some, at some point in its rollout. And they all pulled back their votes. It was a 100% political BS move. And that's exactly where we stand right now. And it gives, the Democrats win on every end on this thing, I think. Yeah, it would be nice. Like, look, when there was somebody who floated out this idea that, like, if, that, that John Stewart should run for president. Um, he is a really good messenger. The the fact he got on Newsmax, this stuff, like it is very so. It is very weird that the Republican Party is considered the party of the the troops, even though it feels like every single year John Stewart has to go up to Capitol Hill and yell at them about helping some variation of military troops. Usually, yeah, it's the exactly. Bill. There was that um, exactly. There was that. There's that picture. Um, this is Liz, like a. This is a. Uh, like a deep uh, political nerd picture uh, a couple of years ago of John Stewart standing in the Capitol smirking at Mitch McConnell as he walks by after they pa- they reauthorized the uh, the 9/11 first responders bill like every year he has to do this essentially it is amazing that veterans still vote for these people when they make it like if you want to talk about why we're having a, a recruitment problem it's because Kids are aware 
of what is happening to their veterans, where kids are aware of the way they're treated. They're aware that they, we lose, I think it's like 30 veterans a day to suicide. It is, um, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that they don't get, um, I have a friend who, who this affects and he was talking to me. He was like, yeah, my dad was affected by agent orange. Like yeah. he's like, that took forever. We're talking like 18 years later, they're going to do anything for us now. Um, mm. wow. it's, it's like, it's important to point these things out. It's important. To, now to be fair, um, they live in an eco bubble. And uh, there is zero chance that Fox News um, covers this in any way, shape, or form. Of course. If you, if you are a Fox News viewer, there's almost a 0% chance you will hear about this bill. Of or course. you will hear yeah. about it the way Pat Toomey argued with it, which is that this is a slush fund, unlike the special operations fund, which is so massive, it is unbelievable. If the special operations fund was a segment of government, like, like an agency— it would be the fourth largest agency in the federal government, just on its budget. Wow. And it's not even an agency. It's literally just a fund that they could put money in infinitely and do whatever they want. Hmm. So it is <clears throat> like this is and this is the thing, like the fact that the Democrat, like the, if they do not legalize <clears throat> marijuana in the next month, they're blowing a huge opportunity. Yeah, because. The reason that these races, according to polling, are starting to swing is two factors. One, Roe v. Wade is blowing up in the Republicans' faces. It is like they, they ran on this for so long. That for 50 years. Yeah. yeah. For when they finally caught it. And they have run over themselves to be as cruel and restrictive as possible. And the problem with that is the stories that they probably internally, some of them thought, oh, this is never going to happen. They're happening like immediately. We are seeing yeah. people with potentially endemic pregnancies end up getting sick. We are seeing children not be able to get a uh, 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 abortions. Because that's, that's that 10-year-old kid, yeah, this. yeah, yeah. Ohio which is where the, the most recent terrible story of the 10-year-old came out. Ohio averages one child under 15 needing an abortion every single week. Mm. A child under 15 essentially has to be has to be raped in order to have a pregnancy. With the, like you could you could probably have some like more developed 15-year-olds where that that's like pedantic arguments where you're you're arguing some nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's what it is. Um, and they're yeah. going to attempt to, and it is very clear. You just point to this and say, "Look, they're going to try to do this this uh, nationwide." Um, they're going. To, it's and so between that and the horror stories and how bad that has been, and the fact that the Democrats are actually passing legislation that's effective. Because look, let's be clear. The people who get mad at the left, they get mad at the AOCs, the Ilhan Omars, the, the Rashid Tlaibs. Yeah, there's some there's some votes that they've done. But they do their job. Like, the House passes legislation over and over and over again. They passed, like, four separate versions of uh, democracy reform. Yeah. They passed... Um, they passed uh, the 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 same sex legalization bill. They passed uh, protection codifying Roe v. Wade. They passed um, they passed Build Back Better. 
It, like, people, if you complain about the death of Build Back Better, it is entirely due to the centrist and Joe Manchin. They passed Build Back Better in the House. It passed. These bills pass in the House, and they die in the Senate. Yeah. The people who, are, who have slowed down this process are the senators. It is Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, and whatever other wackadoodles are still defending the uh, the filibuster. Well, well, like like uh, like 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 Joe Biden said early on in his administration, he said, "When you have a 50-50 Senate, every senator is the president of the United States." And he obviously uh, that that became prophetic. David, if you had to take a guess right now, uh, well, no, it's not. I'm, 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 let me let me phrase this a different way. Are both the House and Senate? in play in your mind given the state and 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 don't don't a yes or no are both the house and senate in play for 2022 i think i think they can hold the senate um i think that it's made and i think they're going to pick up some governorships i think they're going to win in maryland um i'm worried about pennsylvania and yeah. i think we can win texas um the the House is going to be a lot harder just because it's it's become way more polarized. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're going to try to def- they're going to blame defund the police for whatever is happening. Oh yeah, whatever. It's going to um, go on from there. So you, you, it, you, I think it is possible to hold on to the House. I think the it's Senate possible. Is mo- it's if I, if it's, if, it's, you, if you and I were talking, I, I I I don't mean to interrupt you on this, but I just want to make a point. You and I talking about this same topic six months ago, you basically felt that there was, no, well, most people, just about everybody, felt there was no way, no way, there was no way you could even think about it. And with Roe v. Wade, the difference that, has, that, that, that that has made and how that's opening the door for other things, there is, the, the, you know, the, the, the country, uh, <laughs> we are in transition over here, and uh, I, I am... I am fascinated day by day. I'm learning every day as I watch and pick up whatever I pick up from the sources that I'm watching. You don't make a prediction from one day to the next. That's, that's how I'm beginning to feel about this. Watching the mansion thing happen and suddenly uh, all that. Watching, watching the changes that have happened since Roe v. Wade. Uh, all of the punditry that is out there is not not very helpful when it projects outward for six months or a year or two years. What you need is crisp, solid analysis of what's happening right now. And people have to start being able to listen to the reality and the truth of what is happening at the given moment and be part of a conversation, a dialogue that is changing very, very rapidly in this country. And this is why I appreciate so much having you available to us on, on, on Fridays to talk about this stuff. Uh, Dave, where where are you uh, that so people can listen to you when they're not listening to you on Central Left Radio? Uh, they can find me at twitch.tv slash freshfacesnoideas, and they can find me on Twitter at facesideas. And I know that there's a whole bunch of more stuff that we could possibly be getting into, but we're pushing we're pushing our time limit right about now. I hope we get some more of this next week, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more to be talking about as we go. David, again, thank you so much for being part of Center Left Radio. Uh, everybody, enjoy your weekend and any other days of the week that you feel like enjoying, and you should enjoy all of them. Um, Think about it. 
Think about uh, the ability to, to really take in the facts because they're coming at us so quickly. Things are happening so rapidly. You need someone like a David Bach to basically keep feeding you the, the reality, the, 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 the factuality of what is happening right now and, 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 and to, to basically understand not the BS, not, 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 the, not the, uh, the, the culture war version of anything, but the factual version, it's, it's so critical and it's so difficult to make that work. We need David and more like him out there all the time. We also need the ability to sit back and think about what we're listening to. And uh, we do that on Friday uh, rather, rather readily and, and, and happily with a little jazz. listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. If you would ask six months ago, who will be the standard bearer? Who will be the nominee for president in the Republican Party in 2024? No questions asked, Donald Trump. Or who will take back, who will have the House in 2022? No questions asked the Republicans. Things are changing, and it's more critical than ever that people have good and honest sources of information. Oh. 